Knock, knock. Who's there? Lego. Lego who? Lego the hesitancy and get the freaking vaccination. So say it, the vaccination patrol. Wait a minute. Oh, sorry. Wrong joke. Okay. Try again. Knock, knock. Who's there? Lego. Lego who? Lego of contesting the 2020 presidential election results or the new National Capital Police Force will snipe you like a babbit. All of the craziness of the week coming up on the Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. So let's start off talking about our most legitimate president of all time, the most cognitive, alert president, the guy who talked about Afghanistan like it was nothing. Listen to this guy. This is our most coherent, most elected president in American history. Listen to Corn Pop uh, curing cancer with his mind and his intellect, talking about Afghanistan and many other things. For the release of detained Americans, including uh, Mark, uh, uh, excuse me, Ferrix. I, I want to pronounce the name correctly. I miss, I misspoke. And this, uh, starting this month, we're going to begin to re, re, relocate. We're going to be, begin relocation flights for Afghanistan SIV applicants. Uh, half have gotten on aircraft and come uh, commercial flights and come. Another half believe they want to stay. We went for two reasons. One to bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell, as I said at the time. And there you go, the Haagen-Dazs Briars commander-in-chief, the ice cream connoisseur. I mean, to his credit, he sounded like, uh, I sounded like when people would ask me, why are we in Afghanistan? Well, we're in Afghanistan to... uh, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, Mr. Cognitive, just listen to him. Just his intellect just overfloweth. And his press secretary and her intellect just overfloweth, as is the case with his uh, his son, his child son, who's like 50 years old, the guy who was smoking crack with Miriam Berry, smoking Parmesan cheese. Uh, yeah, listen to him. Uh, listen to them talk about his new art project. He's got this new art thing that he's been doing where he's spitballing paint like Salvador Dali all over the friggin' canvas, and uh, it's selling for quite a bit. Wow, imagine that. He's got a lot of purveyors of his his art and his expression, and uh, they want to let you know it's not a conflict of interest in any sort of way. It's not money laundering by any measure. And I have a question mm-hmm. on Hunter Biden's artwork. Mm-hmm. Did the White House play any role in crafting the sales agreement with the New York Gallery um, to protect the uh, the purchasers or the ultimate purchaser's identity? Well, I-, I can tell you that after careful consideration, a system has been established that allows for Hunter Biden to work in his profession within reasonable safeguards. Uh, of course, he has the right to pursue an artistic career, just like any child of a president has the right to pursue a career. Uh, but all interactions regarding the selling of art and the setting of prices uh, will be handled by a professional gallerist adhering to the highest industry standards. And any offer out of the normal course would be rejected out of hand. And the gallerist will not share information about buyers or prospective buyers, including their identities with Hunter Biden or the administration, which provides quite a level of protection and transparency. The right. gallery owner is a private citizen who might not be privy to who might have some 
interests in purchasing this artwork? <coughs> is the White House doing anything to work with the owner to make sure um, there's not impropriety there when it is ultimately sold? Well, I think it would be challenging for an anonymous person who we don't know and Hunter Biden doesn't know to have influence. Yeah, you know, his child. You know, it's his child. We keep hearing about how Donald Trump Jr. is going to be perp-walked in handcuffs for some reason. I don't know what he did wrong. This guy <laughs> gets away with all types of stuff, and uh, he's just a child. You know, we're going to be talking about the children of the president there. You know, she basically said, we've set up a system that will allow Hunter to snort Parmesan cheese off the ass of the strippers he's impregnated while he gets paid millions of dollars for his expertise in the energy sector in Ukraine and his exquisite Salvador Dali-like spitball art. I mean, it's basically what we're getting from these fools, from the most legitimate presidential family in American history. Now, let's talk about that legitimacy, especially with what's going on in Georgia. From Kyle Becker, he's formerly a Fox News reporter. He has his own site, BeckerNews.com. Georgia election investigators find enough illegal votes to potentially tip the 2020 race. Now, we haven't really been hearing about this, have we? Because our conservative smart set, you know, those thought leaders who have great podcasts and they've got great downloads and everybody knows their name. They're at colleges shouting down people. They all said, ah, there's always fraud, but nah, I don't think there's enough to really flip the election. Really? I never thought that. <laughs> Go into his article. In Georgia, election investigators seem to have confirmed that enough illegal votes were cast in the 2020 election that would have changed the final results if they were thrown out. The margin separating 2020 presidential candidates Donald Trump and Joe Biden was a mere 12,670 votes. Election investigator Mark Davis who is the president of Data Productions, Inc., and an expert in voter data analytics, poured through the change of address filings in the National Change of Address Database. He found that at least 10,300 votes in Georgia were made by voters outside of the state's law uh, residency requirements. Georgia election law gives residents a 30-day window to update their new permanent address so that they can vote in their new county. Since these voters both voted in their previous county and confirmed through a subsequent update to their registration that the move was not temporary, Davis holds these votes were illegal. Davis has found 10,300 change of addresses that would violate Georgia law, but there are a total of 35,000 possible cases that would be confirmed through a new registration with an updated address. The allegedly illegal votes could be enough to change the Senate races and state legislative races if they were to be thrown out by a judge. As Margot Cleveland of the Federalist states in an extensive report on the Georgia election issue, which includes an interview with Mark Davis, a judge has the discretion to throw out illegal votes and order a new election. However, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, um, his office appeared to be only vaguely aware of the change of address issue, and furthermore, made off-base allegations about Mark Davis's data analysis. Quote, it was disconcerting to see the media and the courts largely ignore serious issues like these, especially since the data I was seeing showed very legitimate issues, Davis told Cleveland. In fact, I heard members of the Secretary of State's team admit some votes were cast with residency issues, but then claim there weren't enough of them to cast the outcome of the election in doubt. Yeah, that's the same thing our 
conservative smart set were out there touting. They always do. They just go off the cuff and just magic, magically say, eh, you know, I wouldn't have done anything without really knowing, without underscoring the effects of that evening, the shutting down of polling places because, yeah, we need to send you home. Take a, take a load off. Go to bed. Or, you know, the polling stations that had water main breaks. And the next thing you know, they're going to recount in the morning. And when they go through the recounts, they have uh, cardboard being put over the windows. I mean, you know, nothing shady there, right? Quote, that was not <laughs> all of what I was seeing. As far as I'm aware, the Secretary of State's office has never put an actual number on the ones he did see. Again, since there are 35,000 potentially illegal cases, according to Davis's data, there is enough of a pool to put the state's elections in doubt. Cleveland did get an explanation for the change of address discrepancies, but it appears to be an erroneous one. Raffensperger's press secretary, Walter Jones, and his deputy, Secretary of State John Fuchs, suggested that Davis's figure included false positives due to duplicate entries, since he did not have social security numbers and birth dates for voters. This was easily explained away by Davis, who pointed out that the eight-digit voter ID numbers, which are tied to voting histories, Cleveland surveyed uh, the preliminary data and confirmed that Davis's response was cor a correct one. While Joe Biden had been sworn in as 46th president of the United States after the presidential election was certified at the Electoral College, there is still a cloud of doubt looming over the state elections such as Georgia's. Determining if the state electors were rightfully or wrongfully certified is something that all voters deserve to know. And of course, you're not allowed to contest these things. You're not allowed to go march on the mall in D.C. Because they're going to think that you're an insurrectionist, that you don't accept the votes. Meanwhile, the mayoral votes that are happening in the primary in New York, they can't even figure out how to recount those. Suddenly those are all in doubt, but that's okay. That type of election's okay because it doesn't have a Mayor Trump running for office. But, you know, again, you're not allowed to contest the election results. Yeah, God forbid that you uh, contest any sort of election results like, they, uh, like the ones in Michigan. This is also from Kyle Becker. Michigan Attorney General is now using state police to go after those who allege election fraud in 2020. Amazing. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel is once again finding herself at the center of an abuse of power controversy. Gretchen Whitmer's right-hand woman is deploying the Michigan, the Michigan State Police to assist with finding those who are asserting election fraud in 2020's election. Quote, the Michigan Attorney General's office said it will investigate allegations that people are profiting off of false claims that the November 2020 election was stolen, News Channel 3 reported. The draconian prosecution of political dissidents comes at the behest of the Republican-majority state Senate, according to the office's announcement. The announcement comes in response to the majority Republican Senate Oversight Committee and Chair Ed McBroom requested the Attorney General's office to look into people who may be raising money or publicity for themselves off of the disproven claims, the report states. McBroom concluded after a months-long investigation that there was no widespread fraud in Michigan's presidential election. Sure, 
the state election or the state of Michigan is even tapping law enforcement to track down those who disagree that the state election results were free, fair and legitimate, despite the state's boasting of 250 election audits. Counterbalancing those determinations are thousands of affidavits submitted by the state uh, state residents requesting an independent election audit. Quote, Attorney General Spokesman Lindsey McCommell said in a statement that the office had accepted the committee and Mr. McBroom's request to investigate that the Michigan State Police will also be assisting in the matter, according to the News Channel's report. There is also a track record by Attorney General Dana Nessel of going after state residents for political dissident. A March 12th email obtained by Michigan Capital Confidant showed that Nessel allegedly sought to arrest a lockdown-defying restaurant owner before she went on Tucker Carlson tonight. Quote, do we know her whereabouts? We should just have picked her up before she goes on. This is outrageous, Nessel allegedly wrote in her email. That's what they do. They use the power of law enforcement. You know, government has the monopoly on power, the monopoly on force. I mean, what they say goes... And if they get a warrant or not, that doesn't seem to matter anymore. And now they're being used for nefarious purposes, for political sniping. And you look at what's happening with one of the most amazing things I think I've seen is this instance of expanding the Capitol Police into other areas, setting up field offices in Florida and in California. Now, they're doing this under the guise of, well, we want to set up Capitol Police office uh, uh, satellite offices in other states to protect our representatives on a federal level. Really? Do you think that's what's going on? Or could it be the fact that because the Capitol Police are under the executive branch and under Congress's uh, authority, And the fact that you can't Freedom of Information Act any of the information from them, uh, could it be that they're being utilized for nefarious purposes? It's not like that would ever happen, would it? (laughs) I mean, think of it. You know, I mean, if you think about the situation with Ashley Babbitt, that's what we were talking about in the very beginning with the knock-knock joke, you know? The FBI, who's going all out, you know, the FBI is really concerned about extremism and white supremacy. In fact, the FBI tweeted this out. Family members and peers are often best positioned to witness signs of mobilization of violence, help prevent homegrown violent extremism. Go to go.usa.gov to learn how to spot suspicious behaviors and report them to the FBI. Well, they ended up finding somebody who was involved in the Capitol riots Because what was their evidence? Oh, they found he had a Lego set of the Capitol building. A Lego set of the Capitol building. Now, my son isn't working for the rebel alliance against the Empire in the Star Wars universe. But he has a Death Star Lego set. (laughs) Does that mean, you know, that is not evidence. Legos. Seriously? I think that the FBI also found a fully assembled replica of the office of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made entirely of Duplo blocks, just miles from the Lego capital in that same guy's house. Because she's not all that smart. She needs the Duplos. I even heard Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood were going to give a release the craggle 
rally nearby on Taco Tuesday. You know, everything is awesome. You got Emmett out there. He's uh, pulling for the release the craggle rally. Legos? Seriously? That's your evidence. We can't have sworn affidavits signed by the citizens, signed by people who are polling workers who saw craziness go on. Nah, that can't be considered as evidence, even though affidavits are evidence. But Lego Capital, that's your evidence right there. Ah, the crack FBI, I tell you, just breaking up the insurrection that we've debunked multiple times on this podcast. I think, you know, we're sliding towards communism when you look at the fact that we've got state police being issued against election questionable uh, aspects. I mean, people that are questioning the legitimacy of the election. And then you've got the possibility of a capital police force being put across the country who can basically assassinate somebody without any transparency or any disclosure. Um, the fact that they spied on President Trump using the NSA, the CIA, investigating him with the FBI, the same FBI that, you know, is asking your relatives to turn you in if you feel like you don't believe in how the election was handled. We're in a banana republic, but apparently the kids growing up in academia in college that you're paying $100,000 for or more uh, for crap degrees, this is their view of communism. Yeah, so this guy asked for a video on why communism is good, and in a part two comment, he said that he thinks a lot of people just equate communism with North Korea, USSR, stuff like that, and that that's a bad thing. You also don't have to apologize for any ignorance for being liberal. I grew up Christian conservative before I found leftism. Communism is good because true Marxist communism is as close to a utopia as we can get. The reason you equate communism with North Korea and that that's a bad thing is because of Western propaganda, capitalism, McCarthyism, Red Scare. The capitalists over your head want you to think that it's bad so they can keep their capitalism. The Marxist definition of communism is a stateless, classless, moneyless society. That definition has never been reached in the real world. Unless you count all of human history up to the last couple thousand years. No working 60 hours a week to have food in your stomach and a roof over your head. Accessible health care and free to do anything you want to do without the chains of money. Hate to break it to you, Sonny, but a classless, cashless society of utopianism is not going to happen. Everybody has their own crosses to bear. No outcomes are the same. And the sinfulness of human beings, the brokenness of human beings is what causes all this. I mean, capitalism can succeed the brokenness of sinful man because in and of itself, it's, it's a good system. I mean, it's decentralized. It meets the needs. Totalitarianism is the oppression of people, and it will not meet the needs, and sinfulness only exacerbates it. And we can see the case study right now. He's talking about, oh, we, we get accessible health care. Does Cuba have accessible health care? Look what's happening in Cuba right now. A lot of citizens stepped out into the public square and they kind of said something like this. <laughs> Yeah, that's Cubans chanting freedom. That's what the translation for that is. And they're all in the streets uh, 
protesting. Well, here's what the left will have you think it is. They're saying, well, it's because they're protesting not having vaccinations. You know, this is the all-inclusive health care. You know, the government-mandated, government-run health care of Cuba that was so great. You know, they ended up uh, fixing Fidel Castro's colon cancer, the colonoscopy that, or the, the colon surgery that he had, uh, which, yeah, he's dead now. But, but, yeah, you know, we are talking about how Cubans, they're fed up with totalitarianism. I mean, who wouldn't be? Um, but, you know, the left, left-wing media is trying to say that it's based on, well, you know, uh, let me find the tweet that really got me. From the New York Times, shouting freedom and other anti-government slogans. Hundreds of Cubans took to the streets and cities around the country on Sunday to protest food and medicine shortages in a remarkable eruption of discontent not seen in nearly 30 years. So freedom is an anti-government statement, you know? It's just, it's ridiculous. This media is never going to look at things in, in the right light. I love how it says protests take place across Cuba as the country faces shortages of COVID-19 vaccines and basic necessities. Now, remember, the basic necessity part isn't the main issue. What it is, is they're looking at it as, uh, you know, an anti-Western thing, you know, for Cuba having the best medical uh, system in the world. They couldn't make the vaccines. And remember... The reason why the news media is putting the, the vaccine aspect of this entire protest at the forefront of the news is because they're trying to make it seem like Western nations are oppressing Cuba by not giving them the vaccine. And people are out in the streets protesting. They're protesting food shortages. They're, they want freedom. This is like Hong Kong. And of course, you know, China dispelled Hong Kong's protest through the COVID va- uh, pandemic And now what's going to happen with Cuba? All eyes are on Cuba because totalitarianism only goes so far. And while we're embracing totalitarianism here in America, Cuba and Hong Kong and various other places across the globe are rejecting it outright. And we should be taking note of that. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. You can also get it on iHeart. Also, get the free Roku channel in your streaming store, in the Roku streaming store, and check out the blog, adrianslade.show.com. You can also donate and be a part of financially supporting the show, anchor.fm slash adrianslade slash support. And you can call to be on the program, 1929 GoGoUSA. God bless.